You're probably listening to this podcast while sitting on your couch or somewhere else in your home. As a matter of fact, both Sarah and I are working from home while recording this. So you'll notice the same glitches and delays we're all experiencing as we use the amazing online tools available to keep working from home in this time of, what's that new term? Social Social distancing. (laughs) That's right. We're recording this podcast using online meeting software doing our part to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. We also want you to know that we're recording this information during the week of March 16th. And information about COVID-19 is changing so quickly that we want to get this podcast out as fast as we can. But the information will change as scientists learn more about how it affects people, especially lung cancer patients. Keep that in mind as you're listening and know that LCFA will update information as soon as it becomes available. Lung cancer, it's a tough topic. It's a disease that affects patients, families, friends, coworkers. But first, it's a disease that affects people. The Hope With Answers, Living With Lung Cancer podcast brings you stories about people living, truly living with lung cancer the researchers dedicated to finding new breakthrough treatments, and others who are working to bring hope into the lung cancer experience. The COVID-19 global pandemic is on everyone's minds right now. As we're all settling into this new reality of working from home, practicing social distancing, and trying to figure out what's next. And for people living with lung cancer, the concern, the worry, and just the plain logistics of trying to isolate while making sure there are groceries in the house can be overwhelming. In this special episode of the Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast, we're going to talk to people doing just that, along with a lung cancer specialist from Cedars-Sinai Cancer Center with an update about everything we know about how lung cancer patients can weather COVID-19. So let's start with Janet Freeman-Daly and Lisa Goldman both of whom are living with cancer, and both joining us from their own overburdened internet connections. So we're here today with Janet Freeman-Daly and Lisa Goldman, and we're talking about COVID-19 and how it's really impacting so many lung cancer patients, and who better to talk to members of our Speakers Bureau who are writing about it, talking about it on social media, Um, And I just think it'd be a fantastic idea to get their feelings, their thoughts about what we're all going through. Janet, um, you have an interesting story about even trying to get tested, correct? Yes. I live in Seattle, so we're in ground zero here. And I have lung cancer. I've had pneumonia several times. I have coughs that come and go. So after I went to a conference for lung cancer researchers in January, I came home and had a light cough, kind of a, (coughs) and this is not unusual for me this time of year. It didn't raise any red flags. Um, The cough kind of progressed over the next few weeks. And I heard about a couple of cases of COVID-19 popping up in Seattle, uh, but they were people who had traveled from China. So I wasn't really thinking about it. And in February, Then I went to a conference in Los Angeles, two actually, one with researchers where I gave a lot of hugs and shook a lot of hands and then spent two days in close quarters with my fellow lung cancer patient advocates. I came home on February 25th and my cough was getting worse. I started to feel like I had the flu. 
I spent a couple days in bed, just kind of taking it easy. And then I heard proof that the virus was spreading in the community. And my next reaction is, oh my God, do I have it? And did I just give it to all those people I saw? So I tried to get tested. My um, cough got worse. I started coughing up green gunk. So this usually is a sign of pneumonia for me. I had been scheduled to have my regular check-in with my oncologist in a few weeks. And I called him and I said, hey, can we do the labs early? Let's throw in a chest x-ray so I can find out if I have pneumonia. And by the way, can I get a COVID test? Because I was just with a whole bunch of people that need to know if they're exposed. He said by email, I'm not sure we have a protocol for doing that. Let me look it up. So the next day I go in with my N95 mask on to cover the cough that was spewing everywhere and checked in with the receptionist. And I asked her if there was a COVID-19 test included and she said, no, no further comment. So had my tests, went home really quick, didn't see the doctor and looked up online and the CDC guidelines said that the only people who could be tested are those that had been in contact with somebody with a confirmed case, somebody who had traveled from the areas where the virus was happening, which is in that point, just China, or somebody who was in the hospital was severely and was severely ill with symptoms that looked like COVID-19. And I didn't fit any of those categories. The next day, the press conference held by Vice President Mike Pence said they were expanding testing criteria and anybody could ask their doctor for a test. So I emailed my doctor and said, do you have the bandwidth to help me get a test? I never heard back from him. I, I imagine he's swamped at this point. Seattle had many cases and many deaths by now. So I've just been keeping an eye on things to find out what's happening. But every day they say we're shipping more test kits and test kits never made it to Seattle. The University of Washington finally announced that they could do testing. And they had a one drive-by station, but you had to be an employee or a student. And still, because there is such a shortage of test kits, only people who have symptoms are getting tested. I don't even know that I'd test positive at this point. We don't know if people test positive after they recover. We don't know how long they're contagious. The only thing I have to help me feel better is that, to my knowledge, none of the people that I saw in Los Angeles got sick. So you still haven't gotten a test? Nope. And at this point, I won't because I don't have symptoms. Wow. That's a really incredible story. And I think it highlights the stresses on the medical system and it highlights the challenges that so many people are facing. And I'm sorry that, that it was so challenging for you. I know that you wrote an article about this in Slate, and I think it's so informative for people to understand what folks living with lung cancer are facing. But the editor of Slate told me that it was one of their most popular pieces that day. Oh, wow. So Lisa, thank you for joining us from the Bay Area where uh, you're taunting us with a gorgeous sunny background. <laughs> yes, we're on lockdown, but it's all right because I have my backyard right now. You're on lockdown in a lovely backyard, so that's all right. So wait, wait I'm on lockdown in a blizzard. Yeah, we're in a blizzard right now. Something's very wrong here. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're all we're a little bit jealous. But thank goodness you have that big backyard because you've got a couple of kids running around and can you talk about what sort of challenges that poses when you are trying to be on lockdown, trying to be isolated, trying to protect yourself from what's going on around us? 
Yeah, well, um, for the first few days, right now, everybody in my household has been um, here for about five days. We haven't left except for to go to walks around the neighborhood. Uh, my husband just went and got groceries for the first time, uh, and we were really nervous. I insisted that he wear gloves, and when he um, is done unloading the groceries, he's going to change all his clothes. So we're being fairly neurotic about it. It's a little difficult. Uh, I had to have some hard conversations with my teens because of course they want to go out and have uh, meetups with their friends and I've had to say no and they didn't understand and I had to get pretty explicit with them about the risks. Um, you know, I'm on a TKI. My doctor said that my risk isn't particularly elevated. Uh, my immune system should be in pretty good shape right now. But the reality is, if I were to get it and get sick enough to need help in the hospital, my I know once they opened up my health record and saw my diagnosis, and if they had to make some hard choices, if they didn't have enough respirators, for example, for everyone, um, I would be a lower priority for them. And so that's really, you know, that's real and that's scary. And so the need to avoid possible and is now obviously even greater for, for higher risk people like me. That's a really sobering reality um, that many, many lung cancer patients are talking about right now. And I think that that highlights the critical importance of what we're all being asked to do in terms of isolating and um, social distancing and washing our hands and being really careful. But I, I can't imagine what it must feel like to have this extra concern and be living with that right now. Yeah. I mean, for the last five days, like I said, we've been in this bubble and it's been okay. Um, but you can only stay in that bubble. I mean, we've all, we will continue to abide by the lockdown. But as I mentioned, you know, at some point you have to go out for groceries or do some basic errands. And there is going to be some risk involved in all of that. So I've done the homemade sanitizer. You know, you've seen all the messages circulating around the internet. So I stocked up uh, when it was available last week to, on alcohol and aloe and, uh, you know, some Lysol and other cleansing stuff. Um, as soon as it becomes available, I, I definitely am buying all those things and, and going through the house every day and spraying the Lysol on the high touch item, you know, the doorknobs and remotes and things like that. So it's, it's definitely a shift. So Janet, what is this like for, for um, lung cancer patients right now? I mean, you, like you said, you're in ground zero of, of Seattle. Um, yes. And um, my husband is over 80 years old, so he's in a very high risk group. Um, aside from when we went into the doctor um, for the labs, um, we haven't gone out of the house except to go pick up groceries and we are not going into the grocery stores. We're, we're trying to do it online and either have it delivered or go pick it up. But interestingly, that's going to get more and more difficult. The local stores here have announced they're hiring 10,000 people because uh, they need help keeping the stock shelves stocked and helping others. The day that we knew that our governor in, in Washington was going to be making an announcement about things, and this was just barely a week ago, my husband was going to try online ordering of groceries for the first time. And he's not that internet 
um, capable, so it took him a while. Um, and he won't mind me saying that. <laughs> um, so he started in the morning and he said, well, maybe I'll finish this in the afternoon. And I said, well, Governor Inslee's going to speak at 10, 15 a.m. You better get it done now. So he got online. By the time he finished his order, the pickup time was set for 4.30 p.m. After he did his, um, finished it, about an hour later, we got a phone call from the store saying, um, we're slammed, It's good. can you come at 6.30? So he went over there and waited at 6.30 and gave up and went home at eight o'clock without his groceries. Because once Governor Inslee made his announcement that they were starting to close schools, et cetera, everybody went into panic buying mode. So it's going to be interesting to see how the stores do in keeping themselves stocked so that people like us can get um, call in orders or have things delivered. I'm interested, ladies, um, and let's start with Lisa on in light of all this, how do you stay positive? How do you say, I'm going to take one day at a time, I'm going to make it through? What What is your secret sauce for that? Um, so I'm trying to allow myself and and the rest of the members of my family some grace. We try to set up certain parameters, you know, give the kids their space to do their schoolwork and us the space we need to, to do our work um, and set up schedules and things, but it doesn't always go according to plan and that's okay. It's sort of finding that happy medium of, okay, I'm not gonna throw everything to the wind and just say, we're not gonna do anything and we're gonna sit here and watch Netflix all day, but if we have to relax the screen time rules or we eat our meals at different times or whatever it is, that's okay. Um, but we have tried to really make the most of the family time and not to um, make myself or my family sound too saintly because we're we're terrible at having family family dinners and family times. We tend to all go in our own different directions. Um, so I am not a role model for this, but we have a few family dinners. We um, have had several game nights where you've scheduled ourselves a movie night on Sunday night where we're going to watch Airplane with the kids for the first time. We uh, Shirley, take walks. not serious. <laughs> Stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> uh, I, I joked with my husband. We, we, we walk with dogs. We don't have dogs. We have a cat. <laughs> we take them out of the house and, and go on na neighborhood walks. So different things like that are helping us um, keep our spirits up. And for us, um, I actually had a dry run of doing this last year when my husband had hip surgery and we had to stay home for a while. Um, so we kind of have developed a routine where we have uh, breakfast together in the morning and have a little time chatting with each other. And then we each go off and do our projects and we try to make sure we come back together in the evening and sit down and watch usually a humorous movie of some sort. However, some days by the time I get to evening, I'm pretty tired or pretty well stressed out. And I have to say, I'm, I'm gonna go off and watch a movie by myself. <laughs> I'm also, um, it's really important to keep in touch with friends. So I have uh, daily communications with other people that have become friends in the lung cancer community, such as Lisa. And we're, we've actually scheduled um, an evening where we can watch a movie together and comment on it from our own homes. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Actually, Ghostbusters. Oh! <laughs> these, are, these are really old references here, you guys. <laughs> I also... Um jumping in here, there's so many resources I keep seeing parents sharing with each other. I joined, even before this crisis, an online art class 
that it has been fun to continue during this period, but I've seen tons of museum tours or watching um, zoo cams and all kinds of things. You can do music, you can do game. There's all kinds of offerings that people are putting online right now. So any interest you or your kids have, it's worth checking out. So I want to reinforce one thing Lisa said, getting out and going for a walk, even briefly outside or getting some exercise really helps control the stress level. It does. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I Because I knew the blizzard was coming, we tried to get out every day um, for the past five days so that we just have that sun and that outdoor experience. So couldn't agree with you more. It's a little harder when it's cold outside. It's a little harder when you can't even see anything outside. Yeah, there'll be no walking today. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And such wonderful ideas for people too. So hang in there and everybody listening, wash your hands. It really gives you a sense of the challenges and concerns that lung cancer patients are facing right now. Oh, it certainly does. And up next, some answers and advice for living with lung cancer during COVID-19 from lung cancer specialist, Dr. Karen Raycamp. Stay with us. We hope you're enjoying the LCFA Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. It's produced as part of our nonprofit mission, the support and expansion of lung cancer research accomplished by raising funds that serve to increase the public's awareness of lung cancer status as the leading cause of cancer death, inform and educate lung cancer patients in their lung cancer journey, and fund innovative lung cancer research. Good medical information is so critical during this COVID-19 emergency. And we are so lucky to have gotten 15 minutes with lung cancer specialists to talk about concerns specific to lung cancer patients. And just as a reminder, I talked to Dr. Karen Raycamp during the week of March 16th, but information about COVID-19 is changing by the day. Your doctor or clinic is the absolute best source of information for you during this really challenging time. Dr. Raycamp, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So I'm so grateful for your time this morning. You're the director of the Division of Medical Oncology at Cedars-Sinai and the Medical Oncology Director of the Lung Institute in the Department of Medicine at Cedars-Sinai. So you are someone who works with lung cancer patients all the time. You're correct. Um, lung cancer has been my subspecialty of medical oncology for over 15 years now. And uh, this is an interesting time for all of our patients, um, but especially patients for lung cancer, with lung cancer. So the first thing that we're hearing about from a lot of people who are living with lung cancer and those folks who are immunocompromised and are at greater risk of COVID-19, and, and these are folks who are more at risk than the general public, is that an accurate statement? And do we know why or how COVID-19 might look in a patient who's living with lung cancer? Well, that's a good question, and I know there's a lot of concern out there, and especially amongst lung cancer patients. Um, overall, cancer patients and lung cancer patients are not at higher risk for developing or contracting COVID-19, so that's good news. Um, and many patients with lung cancer in 2020 are receiving targeted therapy or immunotherapy 
um, without chemotherapy, which means that their immune systems are generally intact, which is good. So patients on chemotherapy will have, be somewhat immunocompromised. But um, for risk for contracting, they're not at greater risk. But because they have underlying lung abnormalities, for the most part, if they were to contract COVID-19 um, and develop a pneumonia, they may end up having more serious symptoms than another person um, with a viral illness. But generally, how COVID-19 would look in a patient uh, with lung cancer is similar to what's been published out there for any patient. And then again, it's cough and fever and shortness of breath. Um, for people who already have underlying symptoms of shortness of breath and cough, whether it's getting worse and feels more like a flu-like syndrome where you may have body aches and other issues too, that's different than the baseline, how they normally feel. So those are the types of things that folks living with lung cancer should be looking out for. Correct. Is there more precautions? Are there more things that people with living with lung cancer and the people living with them, whether they're family members, caregivers, should be doing in addition to the standard guidelines that we've all been hearing? So really following the standard guidelines is really crucial. And uh, so the, the CDC, the Lung Cancer Foundation of America, the, the statement they put out is really quite extensive and provides the most up-to-date current uh, information. And it's really about good hygiene, hand washing, and the social distancing that we're doing right now that really relies on the ability to try and what we call flatten the curve, which everybody has heard that we're trying not to have a surge in cases and to um, have the cases occur over time. And um, that way we can take care of the needs of all patients um, that uh, contract COVID-19. But it's really the same uh, instructions as are given to the general public right now because a lung cancer patient is not more likely to get the virus. Okay. So that's a little bit of a bright spot there, it sounds like. So we have gotten a number of questions, um, which I understand are very difficult to be specific about. So I want to generally ask, a lot of people who are living with lung cancer are getting infusions or they're going in for scans or treatments or appointments. You know, they're worried about if their cancer progresses. What do you, what is the best advice that you have for people who are living with lung cancer about what they should be talking to their own doctors about right now? So really, the situation is quite fluid, and what might be true today may change tomorrow or by next week. And so it's really important to talk to your doctor and find out what the current situation, and each community might be different um, based on the, the risk factors for that community. Um, patients often are receiving uh, life-prolonging therapies, and um, they're important to continue. And so it's really important um, before uh, canceling any appointments to talk to your doctor and find out what the specific institution is doing to make sure that patients are safe and getting the care that they need. But I think all hospitals are trying to make sure that our patients are cared for and understand that uh, patients with current medical conditions continue to need to be cared for and will be. Sure. That's a good reassuring thing to hear. Thank you. So Dr. Reckamp, one of the things that we're hearing about so much lately is the use of virtual visits or telemedicine and maybe even phone calls, just picking up the phone and calling your doctor's office. 
Are these the types of things that are particularly useful right now to keep lung cancer patients connected with their clinics and their doctor's offices? So yes, Sarah, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of push to make visits virtual when they can be. So obviously for patients on active treatment, um, that's not necessarily possible. They still need to go in. But for patients who um, may not be on active treatment or who, are, who, who may be on oral therapy, it is very feasible in most uh, clinical settings to change a visit to either a, a video type visit or a phone call type visit and get the care that they need, um, at least briefly, hopefully in this temporary time as we are uh, social distancing. You know, folks who are living with lung cancer and their um, families and their friends right now are are very, very concerned and worried. And you mentioned um, some of the things that the general public is being asked to do right now and trying to prevent great stress on the healthcare system and perhaps stress so severe that care will have to be prioritized um, to the folks who need it most or who might benefit from it the most. Can you help the general public understand from a, from a lung cancer patient's perspective or someone else who is immunocompromised the importance of the things that people are being asked to do in terms of protecting these compromised populations? Sure. So again, the, the level of concern is, and worry is very high amongst the general public and with people with uh, chronic conditions and especially with people with lung cancer. And I think staying connected to the healthcare system um, that you're in and making sure that you know what the issues in your specific community are um, is incredibly helpful. Um, and again, knowing that this situation is fluid. And so um, if you have uh, treatment that's due next week, um, there may be different recommendations. And so communicating with your clinic and your doctor um, about those specific situations. But it's really the reason that we're asking um, people to social distance and uh, maintain very good hygiene is because we want to be have a controlled level of people who develop the virus and need care for the virus um, in the system rather than peaks and spikes in that, uh, in that grouping of people who need care and help. And if we do this social distancing now, we will likely be able to continue to care for everybody's needs in the healthcare system um, without um, big disruptions. But the big disruption now is that uh, we're asking for social distancing and uh, elective procedures are um, generally not being done. And so so all of these precautions are in place to make sure that our patients, especially patients with lung cancer and other serious diseases, continue to get the care that they need. That's very helpful information. I appreciate that. How are healthcare professionals feeling? Are you feeling stressed? Are you feeling worried? Are you feeling like you can handle this? Are you guys doing okay? I appreciate that question. Um, so I think... A lot of our training is about managing scenarios um, and crises. Um, and so when we're in a scenario like this, we are trying to provide the best information we can for our patients um, and our families in order to keep everybody 
living their lives and uh, staying as healthy and productive as possible. Everybody is less productive than they were a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, everybody is more concerned. And uh, the goal is to keep on top of the information as it comes out. And lots of information is coming out. So again, we appreciate the LCFA and other uh, patient advocate groups that can help to decipher what's important and, and, and bring that to uh, bring that to people in smaller pieces. And ultimately, um, contacting your uh, physician and healthcare providers regarding specific questions, and also utilizing resources outside because some of this is anxiety just about the situation and sometimes um, having a, uh, a therapist, a, a counselor, social work um, that many uh, centers have, um, utilizing some of those resources, especially in a virtual manner, can be very helpful to help to ease some of the daily concerns and worries that are occurring for patients. Well, that's just amazing, very, very helpful information. And I'm so grateful to have the chance to talk to you today. And I'm so grateful for all of the work that you and your colleagues and all the folks in healthcare are doing right now. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you, Sarah. I'm glad to get this out to uh, our patients. Dr. Raycamp took 20 precious minutes out of her incredibly packed schedule to talk to LCFA, and we are so grateful. We really are. Up next, we'll talk to LCFA co-founder and president Kim Norris about great information available to lung cancer patients. So stay with us. Want more with Hope With Answers? Visit us online at lcfamerica.org where you can find out more information about the latest in lung cancer research, new treatments, and more. You can also join the conversation with LCFA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There is so much information and misinformation about COVID-19 right now. It's so important to look to valid science-backed information from trusted sources. One of those sources is on LCFA's website, a weekly update of everything we know about COVID-19. Let's check with LCFA co-founder and president Kim Norris about what's available. Kim, it's so great to talk to you today. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. You know, it's just wonderful to see all of these lung cancer organizations coming together and working together for the benefit of everybody why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. The top five lung cancer foundations here in the US, what I like to call our sister.orgs, came together about three or four weeks ago saying, we have to address this situation, this COVID-19 situation, because our clientele, our patients, our advocates, our people living with lung cancer are uniquely sensitive to COVID-19 if they get it. So we need to address it. And there was so much information being thrown out about it. And good information, bad information, crazy information. So we came together and I have to give a call out to Upal of Longevity. He kind of coordinated it, did an amazing job. So every Monday we have put together and come out with a statement on COVID. And as you all know, it's changing daily. 
the situation. So one, every Monday we've come out with a statement. We all post it on all our social media, on our websites, so that everybody within the lung cancer community can have access to this information. It's excellent information. It's all from the CDC and academia, so it's all real, it's all good. And it makes me very proud and happy to be part of the lung cancer community when I see this kind of collaboration. Well, it's so wonderful to see all of the groups uh, coming together to really help people and find the best information and help uh, people who are feeling very vulnerable, very worried, very concerned, um, access the best information out there. So we're really grateful for all of these groups working together to um, produce that information. And as a reminder, that's all available on LCFA's website at lcfamerica.org. And the easiest way to find it is to search COVID or coronavirus when you come to the LCFA website. So thank you so much, Kim. We appreciate it. Thank you for all the work you guys are doing to help us get this information out to everyone within the lung cancer community. It's our honor. Sarah, wasn't that great information? And you can find it on the lcfamerica.org website. Search COVID to get right to all the information. And we'll be right back. Through the generosity of donors like you, LCFA is able to fund cutting-edge research that will lead to new treatments and protocols with the goal of greater survival rates for lung cancer patients everywhere. We can't do it without you. Consider making a donation by visiting lcfamerica.org and clicking on the Donate button. Thanks for listening to the LCFA Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. Thank you for being patient with us as we produce this podcast from our home offices, back bedrooms, and couches. A special thank you to LCFA patient advocates, Janet Freeman-Daly and Lisa Goldman, and Dr. Karen Raycamp of Cedars-Sinai Cancer Center, and LCFA co-founder and president, Kim Norris. Join us next time. The Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast is produced by the Lung Cancer Foundation of America. Find more information online at lcfamerica.org. Thanks for listening.